Happy New Year, film fans. How is it going? Yes, I know it's almost February, but it's been a while since we've chatted, so I wanted to sneak that in. We made it to 2021. Congrats, everyone, and welcome into the Second Day Film Podcast. It's the official podcast of the Second Day Film Club. It is Sunday, January 31st, 2021. I'm your host, Brandon Champion, joined by my trusty philosophizers of film, Mike Nichols and Evan Dean. Uh, fellas, thanks for being here. Uh, how was your weekend, Mike? My weekend was fine, champ. Thank you so much for asking. <laughs> Evan, did you, uh, did you do anything exciting? Um, yeah, you know, I, I got to uh, get out and play some golf, work on my golf swing, which is, as you know, is um, definitely a major work in progress. But the beauty of living in the Sunshine State is the sun shines in the middle of winter. So, no, it's, it's good. Got to, got to celebrate my mother-in-law's birthday. Um, you know, glad that it's 2021, obviously, um, although 2021 has started off like in, as batshit crazy as <laughs> 2020 finished. So I'm still waiting for, uh, you know, a better year to begin. But, you know, we'll, we'll get there, guys. Patience. So are you going to like beat me in golf the next time we play? Because you get to play year round now and I'm stuck with, you know, like just like three months of the season. Like, is it going to be a competition now? Or I, Well, you know, it's like when you start as poorly as I had, um, not having played for most of my you know life and, and just have an awful swing, you know, it's a work in progress. I'm getting better. But, you know, I, when you come down here, I would still expect you to be able to <laughs> to beat me but you never know we'll see how it goes we'll see how these next few months go well i owe you 18 holes in a cart now unless we forget thanks to the you stupid do. rams who are now <laughs> the quarterback is matthew stafford so that's, oh, no. that's in. They, they they lost my bet so bad that they got rid of their quarterback they're just like <laughs> we're know. shipping you to detroit but uh, uh <laughs> I, I digress we need to we need to get into film here this isn't a sports podcast we've got a busy slate here today uh Movies coming out, Oscar contenders, uh, the Oscars, I believe they're still planning on having that this year. I'm sure it'll be a weird virtual uh, ceremony, but nominees, we're going to be getting those pretty soon. We're still trying to check off some of the contenders from our list. And also the latest Pixar film hit the market, uh, that's Soul. So we'll be, we'll be reviewing four titles on today's episode. If you could please like, rate, and review the podcast, it would be very much appreciated. Wherever you listen to it, tell your friends about it. And like our, sec our uh, Second Day Film Podcast Facebook page, we've been trying to put some fun stuff up there, keep it more updated. Uh, Mike's, Mike's been doing a good job sort of inflecting some of his uh, personality on the Facebook page. So I appreciate that, buddy. Thanks. I was very happy to see Robin Hood trending in the news. So we get we to go back and revisit that uh, shredding I gave the 2018 film. I know. I said, I was like, Mike's got to be pissed off all this Robin Hood libel and slander all over the internet. What's funny is that like the Robin Hood society of like all the Robin Hood nerds in the world, like it's actually been getting all these people accidentally going to the page because they're like, Oh, we heard Robin Hood's trending. Is it about like the legend of Robin Hood? It's not. It's because of some financial uh things but uh yeah. i'm happy i'm happy to see the name trending just the latest shit hitting the fan in in 2021 yeah. these days it's it's actually pretty crazy it's like a week doesn't go by before something that like we haven't really dealt with before happens like it's just kind of a new it's thing nuts. in this day and age i guess that we have to deal with so keeps us on our toes i guess but uh 
let's get into it. Let's get into the movies. We got a lot to do today. So uh, we're going to start off with uh, Soul, which is the second Pixar film to come out this year, along with Onward, which is a film me and Mike reviewed uh, when it came out in March. Uh, the plot summary on IMDb. After landing the gig of a lifetime, a New York jazz pianist suddenly finds himself trapped in a strange land between Earth and the afterlife. Uh, this film was directed by Pete Docter and Kent Powers. Stars the voice talents of Jamie Foxx, Tina Fey, Graham Norton, Rachel House, uh, and some Felicia Rashad, Questlove, Angela Bassett. Uh, we got a, so a pretty solid uh, voice cast here. Uh, Pixar movies, always a highlight for the three of us. We always make a point to see them. Uh, always have such fantastic animation. Usually have very strong ideas in them. Uh, Evan hasn't had a chance to see this one yet, but me and Mike both watched it. Uh, Mike, did you think Soul had a soul? Um, I thought it had two-thirds of a soul. Um, overall, it was not my favorite Pixar movie, but there were some good things in it. Um, so yeah, the story is about, um, a character named Joe, who's a, you know, is a middle-aged, uh, school teacher who dreams of having a career in jazz. Finally, he gets his big break. He's going to get to go on stage with this jazz legend. And the day it happens, he falls down a manhole and is killed. So then it follows, um, the soul of Joe as instead of moving towards the light and moving on to, uh, what's next his soul actively fights and ends up in kind of soul land where then he attempts to get back to earth, get back to his body and make it happen. Um, along the way he's tasked with, uh, mentoring this other soul, uh, before it enters its body and starts its life on earth. And that's kind of where the, the journey starts. Um, it, it's been kind of following that Pixar and Disney, um, kind of formula lately where um, I kind of wrote it down where I was like, wow, this, it's starting to feel like all these movies are kind of like the same plot where it's these two odd couple characters go on this journey to basically resolve a question or, you know, put something back uh, that was like messed up. But then along the way they learn, like they were asking really the wrong question all along. And uh, you know, that kind of, uh, is what we're seeing now in all the movies. So I, I started to get a little bored with um, what could have been a really interesting exploration of the soul when it just kind of turned into another kind of formulaic story. Um, and that's kind of what I've noticed with the last couple Pixar, even with like Onward, it's like, like they, they have, a, they give you a story context. That's very imaginative where in Onward it was, Oh, what if the fantasy world got replaced by technology? oh, okay, like that's a really interesting concept and how is that going to play with technology and fantasy? But then it's never really addressed and it's just about these two kids trying to get their dad and like they have to like go on this little zany adventure and this chase. And it's like, oh, like that had a really interesting imaginative context, but then it turned into like kind of a formula buddy, buddy road film. And this kind of did the same thing where it was like, oh, let's explore the soul. How does, like what happens to the soul when it, when it dies or our souls programmed to enter like bodies. And then what happens on earth? It's like all that kind of starts to get addressed. And then they just kind of turn it into this kind of formulaic cheesy plot about a guy. I was like, Oh no, you have to learn how to be a person. And it's this like negative character who doesn't want to learn. And it really wasn't that interesting to me, unfortunately. Um, well, what I, you're I, seeing, what you're seeing is like, it, you mentioned the common tactic. I mean, 
you have Coco, for example, where they sort of go to the afterlife, you know, they jump into the, the world of the dead. And then uh, even before that, you had like Inside Out, where it was the young girl's body. And it was sort of like explaining, you know, how the different emotions are controlling the body. So you are kind of getting that same sort of framework where it's like going into this imaginative, creative, colorful world that is not so much like a plot point. It's almost like Pixar is using uh, these stories to bring like concepts to life, you know, like, like afterlife or, or, uh, it, or emotions and why, why this is why you get mad. And, and while it might seem a little bit repetitive to people like us, I do think that it is sort of like a great, it's a great gateway for parents to sort of talk about tricky or difficult themes with their kids. Like, like Coco, you could be like, you know, this is, it's about death and dealing with death. And he has to learn it through that, you know, inside out, this is why you get angry. Sometimes this is why, you know, you get sad. Sometimes it's just a way that you can kind of talk about it. This one is sort of, I think this one is even a little bit more like deep, you know, cause you're talking about souls. You're talking about the soul of a person and, that's kind of a hard concept for like, there was a lot going on in this movie at times where you got the counselors that are doing things and you got the afterlife and you got the great before, and you got like this idea that lost souls are wandering in the ether. And there, these are some big concepts going on that honestly, I even found myself a little bit lost at times. And I'm sitting here thinking about like what a 12 or 13 year old would be thinking watching this to me, it would go over their heads. Well, I th- and I think some of those concepts were helped by how beautifully animated it was. Like, it was incredibly um, gorgeous to look at, the, especially the way those, um, the processor characters, the, the, the soul characters were done. So goofy. Um, I, liked, uh, I liked also um, how beautiful New York looked when, when they got back and the way they did the, the music. The music was incredible in this movie. Oh, yeah. um, at this point with the digital animation of Pixar, it's basically, it looks just like, animated characters who look cartoony but like the the bricks and the sidewalk and the sky like the buildings the cars everything else just looks like photogenically real like Mm -hmm. that's how good the animation has come um so far and uh yeah the music was a big win animation was a big win the voice acting was a big win um, I just thought kind of the the plot did get a little too formulaic and I kind of wanted more I thought it kind of sorry sorry, one more thing there has been a complaint with these movies that whenever they have uh, characters who are like of color or minority characters that like whenever they lead in these animated movies and stories, all of a sudden they're not like represented as those people anymore that, Oh, this person is black, but for most of the movie, they'll be turned into a frog or this person is black, but for most of the movie, they'll be turned into a bird or, mm-hmm. you know, just some way of them not taking up most of the screen time as a, as a character of color or a minority or, or yeah, I, I think that's a this fair criticism. Kinda, this kind of did that. Like for the other things I'd, I'd heard of that. And I, I guess I wasn't as familiar with that kind of um, problem that was going on in movies. But then when this movie, like when I watched it again, I was like, yeah, okay. Like it is kind of, it's a noteworthy thing that this guy is just not in his body for most of the movie. And even when he comes back to earth, it's like, nope, now he's the cat. It's like, okay. Yeah, like, I give it. I, I give I, it a I'm fair. To see where the complaints are coming from. It's it's a fair complaint. It's, it's a, the, the the princess and the frog yeah. uh, trick, yeah. right? Yeah, it's a fair criticism. I mean, I you could say that. Yeah, it's totally fair. I mean, I I do think I do want to give this movie some credit, though. You know, I mean, we do get you know like some influences of African American culture. We get the we get a barbershop scene, which which I really loved. I mean, 
a barbershop is a big spot where people are hanging out all the time. And, I, you know, I, I do think it makes an effort for representation. Um, but it, it obviously, I, I think it's fair if people want to criticize it for that. But like the, the music in this, the jazz, man, I got a soft spot for jazz music. I really do. You know, when you just hear it, it's just so like, it just gets your, gets your blood pumping. You feel, you just get good vibes when you hear it. I love like right off the jump you get like the disney theme is being played by like bad middle school jazz orchestra that, that was, was hilarious that was a great lead <laughs> yeah I-, I thought there was some good moments you got like the bit about how the the souls have been messing with this nba basketball team for years and then you get a quick cut of like <laughs> and the knicks lose again like there- so i thought there was some <laughs> some funny moments and clever uh clever ways that they use sort of the concept to make jokes um but it was, uh, you know, it's, it's, I wanted, I wanted to like this movie more than I did. You know, like I, I really wanted to love this movie. I totally get it. Because I love the music. I lo- I think it's a, a cool idea. I think the main character is, is interesting. I, I do think you get a little bit of a, you mentioned that he's sort of like a bad per. you know, I do think like there's a little bit of mixed messaging in what we're supposed to think about Joe, right? Cause like we're supposed to get this idea that he's wasting his time focusing on being a jazz, like, like great jazz player when it's probably never going to happen. And then we, you know, he finally gets to play in his big gig and then he feels unfulfilled. So he, he feels like he has to go back and, and redo things or look at things in a different way to live his life every step of the way. But, but then we don't like get a clear answer of what he's actually going to do when he goes back to earth. Like, is he going to, is he supposed to embrace that he needs to be a band teacher and that's how he can influence people's lives? You know, we we don't like get a clear, because there's all this messaging about if you care too much about one thing, then your ambitions become shallow and hollow and you might lose your way as a lost soul. So Mm -hmm. is he just supposed to learn that like he needs to have a more nuanced life? at the end is that kind of what we're supposed to get out of it is that is that what you got it wasn't a very consistent message especially with the theme that they kept trying to go back to which is find your purpose and then it was like well this character but don't find your purpose too much you know it's like it's like back and forth with that yeah it it didn't really land on anything that concrete which i get that they're trying to keep it broad so that the movie can appeal to whatever someone's dream might be but it's like this is supposed to be joe's story it's supposed to be joe's dream um but yeah, I, I wish it had had a little bit more like kind of, I don't know, answers. I just wish it would have actually landed on a, like a real ending. It, it didn't really have an ending in some ways. And one of the thing I was confused about when they go back 22 and Joe, when they go back and they inhabit the souls, are we supposed to be led to believe that he, Joe just sounds normal to everyone else. They just have the 22's voice character because that it's just for us the audience who know what's going on is it supposed to sound like or because nobody ever acknowledges like hey joe you sound like a prepubescent girl like you know like i, I didn't really understand that I, I don't know i didn't i didn't think that hard about that aspect of the film <laughs> well i just it just kind of be sh- a cartoon i let it be a cartoon you know? well we're talking about souls in the afterlife and the great beyond here mike we're, we're getting it's getting a little deep. So what, where would you like rank it in the Pixar hierarchy? Um, middle, middle to lower middle, maybe like top 10, top 15. No, not top 10. I, 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 I would give this movie uh, a B minus. 
I think I liked it more than you. There was some mixed messaging. I agree. Um, it wasn't uh, fully on point with what it was going for, but I, the music was great. The voice acting, I think it had a good heart and good messaging, even though, it, even if it was a little mixed and the jazz music and the way that it was animated. I mean, I can't give it lower than an eight. So uh, I gave it an eight out of 10. So Evan, I'm sure you want to see soul. Have you, have you haven't yeah. seen either of the last two picks? <clears throat> no, no. I mean, I, I don't have uh, Disney plus, so I'm, I need to do play some catch up one of these days and and try to hit up some of these films i mean it you know it, it got great reviews i mean per usual for pixar so it looks like uh mike you kind of liked it a little less than the not only the crowds but the critics as well but you know we've talked about the pixar bar before and we watch pixar films with a high bar and and i think it impacts kind of our expectations for them so when compared to anything else you know I'm sure it would be a great animated film, but when you look at it with Pixar in mind, that's why you kind of have those, those higher standards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even an average Pixar movie is still a pretty good movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're right. Pixar does have a high bar. Yeah. And it, this one's definitely worth, worth watching. I don't think either of us are saying that you should skip it or anything. It's just, I think me and Mike both had pretty high expectations coming in thinking that we were going to love this movie and, and maybe it didn't it, definitely for Mike, it didn't hit. I think it, it, underwhelmed a little bit for me i still quite enjoyed the film so i would i would consider checking it out um well let's move on to something that doesn't have quite a bit as high of a bar uh, and that's blumhouse films uh that that evan keeps making us watch and review uh but uh he watched a recent one uh found on amazon prime it's called black box uh, after losing his wife and his memory in a car accident, a single father undergoes an, asto- an agonizing experimental treatment that causes him to question who he really is. This film was directed by Emmanuel Ose Kufor. Um, not a whole lot of uh, big name actors in this one, no. but uh, Mamadou Athey plays Nolan, the lead character. Hey, Felicia Rashad's in this too. She plays Lillian, uh, the doctor. So two movies in a row, we got Felicia Rashad. Amanda Christine plays his young daughter. Um, and then Tosin Mora Hunfolo is his brother, Gary. Uh, those are, are basically the four main characters you get in this movie. Not a very big cast. Um, so this was kind of under the radar for me. I hadn't heard of it until Evan brought it up. Uh, how did you get onto this movie, Evan? And, and what are some of your initial thoughts? Yeah, well, um, so Blumhouse uh, created this, I think it's eight it's an eight movie series specifically for Amazon prime. They released the first four already. Um, they're straight to Amazon prime, obviously. And then they've got four more that they're going to be releasing somewhere down the road. So I was just clicking on Amazon one at one of these points and it was kind of in their, um, you know, it was kind of in their highlighted section, kind of like uh, the one night in Miami movie is now. So, you know, I thought, Hey, I, I'm kind of a sucker for horror, horror films and, I'd, I'd read up a little bit on some of the other three that they had released. And this one seemed like a good one to pick. Um, this gave me um, some pretty strong black mirror vibes. You know, you've got, uh, you've got this, this main character who um, is, you know, he struggles from uh, amnesia after surviving a car crash. And he's, 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 as you said, in the plot summary, his wife has died in the crash and, um, so he starts going to this doctor and she essentially 
uses this black box um, where we, we see him kind of go into this almost digital subconscious subconscious. And um, he quickly realizes that he doesn't remember, like he doesn't recognize the memories that are happening. Um, and it, I think that it's, I think it was kind of the process and getting to the big reveal and the big twist. I think it was a good a good way to get there. I enjoyed the film as it, as it went along. And then I don't know if we want to give it away or not, but as we kind of revealed the villain and we, we get the reveal of exactly what's happening here. Um, I don't know. I just wasn't that impressed um, by that part of it, but I did kind of enjoy the journey to, to until we got to the conclusion. What yeah, about you? I, I would agree. Um, I mean, you say revealed the villain. I, I knew who the villain was you know, the first time this person came on screen. Uh, so, I mean, it, it was pretty obvious in that standpoint. I mean, it, you, you mentioned Black Mirror. I totally agree with those comparisons. You feel like those vibes right off the bat. Uh, the, the movie does a good job sort of creating a, a creepy atmosphere where things mm -hmm. feel sort of off. They just feel off. You know, there's something yeah. that isn't quite right. You know, we're going to learn something that is going to make us think differently than we are thinking at the beginning of the movie. Um, I, I don't like the plot cohesively. Like, yeah, I agree. It was, it was not bad to watch, but like, it almost feels like ex things existed within the plot just to push this idea along or set up the twist. I mean, why is this doctor played by R Felicia Rashad just allowed to kind of have like this, secret frankenstein laboratory in like a <laughs> yeah. hospital and nobody's saying anything like even his uh, his brother who's like another doctor i think it's not really clear he wears a white coat so i assume he's a doctor uh, he, even he's like his he, friend he, but yeah. yeah or his friend whoever yeah he's even like what what is this like what, what is going on here what what is this secret lair in the hospital where this crazy lady's conducting experimental experiments and treatments on people <laughs> I, and i yeah. just didn't really fully get that but i did like this main actor uh me was, too i was just gonna say that yeah i thought he did you, a good job did he give you adam driver vibes in the way he sort of talked and like just i acted? didn't really think about that he does have he did kind of have a unique way about him yeah. Um, and it, it almost felt like in, in the role, um, and this was kind of, uh, this was obviously intentional, you know, he, he's very kind of reserved and he doesn't have a whole lot of emotion and, you know, in the beginning and you kind of feel like he's almost underacting in a way. And then you start to get more depth to the character and he starts to, um, you know, given what happens to him and what, when we realize what's actually happening, I think you start to see some more, um, variants, you know, some more shades to, to his ability as an actor. And I thought when you have a character like this, who's, you know, essentially dealing with different identities, um, you're always going to take on a little bit more of a challenge. And, and yeah, I thought he did a good job. I was impressed. The, the little girl did a good job too. Whenever there's a, a kid actor in a movie with such a big role, it's, it's pretty important that they're believable. And I thought she did well. Did you see the twist coming in any way? Um... I, yeah, yeah. I mean, eventually you start to kind of figure out, well, these aren't his memories. Mm -hmm. Like, he doesn't remember any of this happening. And you kind of start to um, put two and two together that perhaps what he's seeing isn't quite what we think it is. But in terms of the villain, I guess I didn't see it coming right away like you did, but it just kind of, 
it kind of fell flat for me. And then, and then they have the end scene where the villain is kind of that. Yeah, what that, is that? that? Are we was... setting up sequels here? Like, do we really need Agreed. that? Like, what is that? No, I they, hate that they, so much. Me too. And it, there, there's <laughs> never going to be a sequel for this film. I mean, watch, there will be. But <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't expect there to be one. And yet we got that scene at the end. And I just, I feel like those honestly totally kill um, the closeout of a film. And I didn't like that either. Cause I didn't like that character. I didn't, I thought that that was just, like I said, it wasn't really convincing or believable. Yeah. It, it's so, a little, anyway. yeah. I mean, we, well, we get in these movies like black box. I mean, like when they have like, when like basically the whole draw of the film is, is, is based on a reveal or like a twist. Yeah. You're putting a lot of the movie on that moment and if it doesn't, you know, it's the same reason a lot of M. Night Shyamalan movies don't hit. Like, if, it, yeah. if you don't nail that twist when that's the entire draw of the plot and the entire draw of the story, you know, the movie's not going to be great if you don't nail it on its head. So Well, and I, and I thought that the twist itself was executed okay, but what I didn't like was the motivation behind the twist and the villain behind the twist, mm-hmm. right? The reason it was happening. When the yeah. twist happens, I thought it was solid, but then when we find out why it's happening, then I was like, oh. This is- right. And then you got this sort of the same thing that we were just talking about with Soul, where it's like, who am I supposed to root for here? Like, am exactly. I supposed to feel bad yeah. for this guy who, you know, <laughs> know, has done these things? Or am I supposed to feel bad for our main guy? Like, what's the happy ending here? And then they try and, you know, have their cake and eat it too by giving both of them happy endings, I guess. At least in one of their case, you get sort of a redemption arc. Um, yeah. But like... So I guess it kind of works itself out that way. But, uh, you know, I, I didn't mind the film. I thought that the main performance was good. I thought the atmosphere uh, for the film w- was solid throughout. It was yeah. competently made. I'll say yeah. that. It's not like Fantasy Island, the other Blumhouse movie that we just reviewed. <laughs> that was just an abomination to film. You know, this one actually had some, you, you could tell there was some professional talent uh, going on here. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, it wasn't like hard to watch or anything. It was enjoyable. Um, and, and the twist, while wasn't great, you know, it, I still didn't mind it. I love anything that's Black Box-esque, because Black Box is one of my favorite shows on television. So, um, you know, I, I didn't mind this film. I'll give it a seven of, 7.5 out of 10. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I ended up going with a 6.5 out of 10. Um, I, I think you're right. I think that the um, there was a lot that it did right in the course of building the atmosphere and um, some other performances along the way. And you're right, you know, the payout was okay, but just the, the kind of the motivation, it fell flat for me. And then I'm, I'm telling you, it's like I docked it a half a point for that little <laughs> that little yes. end scene so unnecessary but but you know, all in all, I think it's worth checking out and um, you know, Blumhouse, in, in the opposite vein of Pixar has set the bar pretty low. So <laughs> when they do something that's competent, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't take much to be like, Oh, that wasn't bad for a Blumhouse film. Yeah. Please no, please no black box too. We really don't need no. that. Were you going to no. say something, Mike? I have a question that I wrote down. I would like to ask you to. Go I have it. not seen this film because I did not really like horror movies, but uh, I wrote down this question. And I'm going to read it in a very uh, proper voice. The memory loss of a main character has served as the driving plot of many great films, like Memento, The Bourne yeah. Movies, and of course, the MTV award-winning film, Fifty First Dates. 
Did this film portray it in a way that felt unique or different to what filmgoers have already seen? Evan, well, I'll let you take I, that. I would no. I would say. Um, Thank I would you. say no. I would say no because um, when you get to what, where you find out what's happening, I mean, I guess along the way it's a little bit unique. But I, these, some of the kind of ideas of how memory and souls and identities can be stored, some of that's been covered by Black Mirror. I think of um, oh, what's the one, the the one Black Mirror episode with two women who are living in like this, like. Um, their their memories and souls are digitally it's stored. San Junipero. Yeah, and it's one yeah. of the best episodes yeah. of the. Yeah, entire... it's, it's really good, you know. And, and there's some kind of similar. We didn't give too much away, but there's some similarities here with how identities and souls can be, you know, stored, if you will. And so, no, I thought it was Black Mirror esque, and I didn't. And that, that's immediately what I thought. So to, the short answer is no. With that, with Black Mirror in mind and exploring some of these concepts, it's already been done in that way. Thank you for answering my question. <laughs> what it. is this? A, what I, is this? A panel at a Comic Con or something now? Like what is? This? I will say. I will say. Just as an aside, Memento is one of my favorite movies of all time. So it's a great movie. Very underrated movie. A, a oh, good Christopher Nolan movie, right, Mike? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Most of his are. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I just saw Tenet, and we were having some thoughts about it before we started recording. <laughs> Mike has thoughts. He's got some thoughts, but we're going to save them for now. Maybe you can post your Tenet thoughts to the Facebook page or something if you really need, if you feel the need to get them out there. Just need to talk about it with the community. Yeah, exactly. And we love our community. Check us out on Facebook, Second Day Film we love, Podcast. We love all. We love all four of you. <laughs> we do. <laughs> we do. Hey, we're we're more of a quality, not quantity podcast. Mike. That's right. You know. <laughs> all right, let's let's keep moving along to the second half of our show here today on January thirty first, twenty twenty one, last day of January. We're already through one month of twenty twenty one. Can you believe it, guys? It's crazy. It's going fast. Uh, this film is called ma rainy thanks that was nice whoever did that uh this film's called ma rainy's black bottom uh the plot summary on imdb after oh never mind that's the wrong one uh during a recording session tensions rise between ma rainy her ambitious horn player and the white management determined to control the uncontrollable mother of blues this film was directed by george c wolf it stars Viola Davis and Chadwick Boseman in the, in, uh, the, the lead roles. Uh, this is Chadwick's final role, uh, and I'm sure we'll talk about that in a sec. Uh, Coleman Domingo, Glenn Turman, Michael Potts uh, provide um, the supporting roles in this film. I quite enjoyed this movie. I think me and Mike saw this one. Of course, like I said, it is the final film appearance of the late Chadwick Boseman. Um, Really sad development on that front, but uh, Mike, uh, what are some of your initial thoughts on this film? Yeah, this is definitely a movie that's going to hit hard, especially because you do know this is the last time you'll see Chadwick Boseman on the screen. This is the last thing that he is a as a human being and as an artist left for us. Um, so yeah, it it will hit hard, uh, especially the ending. Um, yeah, when the when the credits started rolling, like I I got very emotional thinking about the fact that this man's incredible career uh which he was suffering almost the whole time like he was he was going through chemo he, he has he was going through cancer and yet like in that short time that he had for us like he gave us like incredible 
performances and this one will be up there um like as one of his best performances it's a it's a great movie um anytime that he or um viola davis are on the screen they just they own it um they are such powerhouse performers his more quietly than hers but it's still really really good like he gives one of the best monologues about like despair and faith that i think i've ever seen in a movie and um yeah it's it's just so hard to watch knowing like he's gone now because mm-hmm. man like we were so lucky that this guy was here that he used his 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 craft and his talents to make the movies he made and uh yeah i definitely think there should be oscar conversations for both chadwick boseman and viola davis obviously he's getting a lot of attention because he's passed but she is still in many ways like you know, she is Ma Rainey. Like this is this is her story, and um, man, like anytime she's on the screen, she is just so hard to take your eyes off. Like the way she moves, the way she talks, like everything she does has so much meaning. I cannot say enough nice things about her as an actress, and I just I really hope that they start getting um, some you know award attention for their performances in this film. We, you know, we obviously found out about Chadwick Boseman. He was going through all this stuff. He kept it kind of on the down low, you know, throughout in recent years. I mean, he was obviously in the Avengers movies and he still looked like T'Challa there. You know, he looked like Black Panther. He was embodying, you know, the King of Wakanda. To me in this movie, he looks skinnier. He looks more like he's in a, in a, in a tougher spot. He looks like he's fighting it. And when you're watching him on screen, knowing what we know about, about how he's since passed, um, it's extremely emotional watching him put on this performance because, you know, there's a scene early on when he's sort of yelling at the fellow bandmates and he's talking about, um, you know, bad luck and how he eats bad luck for breakfast and how, uh, and how, um, you know, he's he starts talking to god the, in that monologue you talked about in numerous times throughout the film he's talking to god asking him why he turned his back on him asking him where he is yeah. um and and obviously these themes and these ideas work within his character and they work within the plot of the movie um but it just takes on a whole new meaning when you're watching him under these circumstances and it's honestly hard to watch the performance at times uh because of this it's almost like he sort of knew this was his last hurrah because there's there's so much pain and anguish in the performance throughout it and it really comes across on screen and it's heartbreaking yeah i think they do a great job too of bringing the words of august wilson to life so august wilson was a a great incredible playwright um another big one that he did recently was or not recently but it was the a movie you would have seen recently we had done was spences which um denzel washington and viola davis did together Denzel wanted more August Wilson to be like on film. So he produced this movie, George C. Wolfe, who's a famous um, theater director, directed it. Um, And then they brought back Viola Davis. So this is really like a passion project of these um, amazing black artists to bring another black artist like words to life. And um, it's a very, very like powerful black story um, about black art, um, about black music and about what, um, you know, what black artists have gone through in history with just trying to get their voices like recorded and trying to get any kind of like, not just even representation, but just like, Hey, if you're passionate about making art, 
where do you go to make it have any value? Where do you go to be heard? Um, it was really, it was really tough that, you know, we're watching this movie. Um, it's a story set 100 years ago about, you know, uh, Ma Rainey's was a real person. Um, the character that Chadwick Boseman, I don't played wasn't real, but like, these are, these are real people. This is really what they were like. Mm-hmm. This is a story set 100 years ago. And it's just so frustrating to think like this, like, you know, what I, cause we watched it this year, you know, we watched it like right after, we saw a Confederate flag being like, you know, marched through our capital by these crazy like rioters. And it's like, oh, this bullshit is still going on. Mm-hmm. This was 100 years ago. This movie is set. And it's like, it, I know we have made progress, but man, like it, watching it in January, 2021, 20, it's an important time to watch a movie like this. Cause it makes you just really want to move things along with yeah. making sure everyone's I, getting a fair share and their voice being heard and their art being treated as important because it is important. Yeah. I mean, the, the movie does a good job, I think, you know, of capturing 1921, you know, just in the, yeah. I mean, it's basically one continuous scene in a way. I mean, it, it's not a continuous shot, but it's basically just, you know, one recording session on one day in Chicago in 1921. But you get the vibe of the 1920s Chicago is captured really well, just in a couple establishing shots when they're outside in the studio. And you talk about the racism elements in this movie, you know, outside of the scene with the cop where he's trying to arrest her or whatever. And the, and the white producer has to pay him off. You kind of get examples of more like subtle and low key racism, or maybe like, uh, financial racism where like these white producers just want to Ma Rainey goes on a monologue about how they don't care about her. They act like they care about her, but they don't really care about her. They just want to capitalize off her, you know? And so like sort of that peek into uh, that angle of racism, I thought was interesting because, you know, obviously there's a lot of white producers in the music business and especially back then they were practically all white and how they interact with black artists. I mean, that, that was something interesting to see, I thought. Well, and the way they end the movie, too, was showing that after, after they go through all this, you know, uh, shall we say drama of getting this record made, they then just bring in a white, like, band who basically just takes, like, their sound and turns it into, you know, the whiter, more boring version of that sound, and that's what gets translude and it really was a very powerful little um nod to hey pay attention to that idea of cultural appropriation because i think sometimes people get a little too maybe uh, obsessive about it but it comes from a real place and it comes from real problems and it comes from real artists having their kind of style being transformed into a different like complete culture and then that's the only kind that people value and they forget the whole origin of it they forget the, the, the people who have suffered the most to bring the art to us. And uh, yeah, there's so many little powerful nods to, um, you know, what black people have been through, through uh, as artists through all these years. It was a really, really good movie. It, um, it feels, it very much feels like you're watching a play in film form. Yeah, um, but I, but I, I appreciate that because this film covered so much with a relatively narrow scope in terms of plot. But it hit on so many different things. It hit on religion. It hit on racism. You know, it hit on black, uh, black creativity and, and black creators. There was just a lot going on between the characters. And, and you mentioned Diallo Davis and Chadwick Boseman. Of course, they're going to get, you know, most of the, 
most of the publicity, most of the, the Oscar consideration. Um, but I thought the guys who played Cutler, Toledo, and Slow Drag, Coleman Domingo, Glenn Turman, and Michael Potts, I thought all three of them added a lot to the film in their own ways, just the way that they sort of um, encompassed these veteran uh, jazz blues uh, guys who you can tell have been through the pipeline, been down the road a couple times. Uh, they've yeah. performed all over the place. They've dealt with things all the time. And uh, the way that they sort of added their specific flair to the sort of different vignettes that were taking place in the story, uh, I thought it added a lot to the film. Yeah, I would actually say that because it felt like a play sometimes, I think that was the one thing I would have maybe tweaked a little bit about the film. Um, this was, the script was written as a play. And obviously, it would, this would be amazing to watch on stage. But they're translating it into a film. And I think that as much as you want to be reverent to August Wilson and his incredible storytelling and, and writing abilities, you do need to remember that this is a different medium than, than a stage. A film is, is, is just different. So I think maybe flow could have been enhanced a little bit better if they had like maybe shown some extra scenes of transition. Um, even if they had had to add like one or two little lines or add an extra scene of them walking from one place to another, or uh, that, like, that was just the only thing I would have improved upon because film is a different medium than a play. I understand that they're transforming a play into that. And I think to do that, they need to transform the, the script of that play a little bit just to give it better flow because as much as it felt good to watch August Wilson's play on film, I think it would have been enhanced a little bit more had they, had they just edged it out with film techniques versus just theater techniques. Mm -hmm. Evan, did you have any thoughts or questions on this? Oh. Evan, you're on mute, buddy. Sorry, guys. Um, the number one uttered, yeah, the number one added uttered sentence of the last 14 months. You're on mute. Well, I was shuffling around while you guys were chatting, and I didn't want to, that to be heard. But um, sorry about that. And, yes, that's all too common. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, given the two leads here, I think, uh, I mean, I, I got to see this movie. Um, you know, both of both of them are, are incredible, and, and pretty much everything we've seen them in. Um and I think it's important. Um, I think it's important for Americans to see films like this, um, you know, from you know uh, that were that took place a hundred years ago, um, to see race relations then, and to to be able to to see that and and understand how what happened then, even though it was decades ago, still has an effect today. And um, you know, a lot of people, I think, kind of look at the way the world is now and um you know when it comes to race you know there's a lot of people out there who want to say well you know everybody's got equal opportunities now there, there, no, there's no such thing as segregation there's no such thing as this or that um in the way that it, you know that it was once forced and forced by the government but to look at film and, and to look at what you know how the things were the way they were that back then still do have an effect today. And, and I think seeing films like this help people understand that. It's my roundabout way of, of yeah. saying that. No, for sure. I mean, when I look at, the, when I look at movies, you know, one of the main ways that I judge them is if, do I get lost in the experience? Do I get transported to the world or the idea or the time or the event that is trying to be portrayed? 
this movie was really small in scope. It's a really small, simple film. But I found myself transfixed on the performances. I found myself transfixed on the internet interactions between the characters and what they were saying. Uh, because, and it probably goes back to August Wilson. I mean, it just feels like they're preaching in what they're saying every step of the way. Like every monologue feels like it has purpose and intent to it and really is trying to make you think about something other than what is actually being said. It has a lot of really deep and impactful ideas going on with it. And the performances really anchor it. And uh, I thought the, I thought the film flowed perfectly. It's like a nice tidy hour and hour and a half movie. Um, I don't think it needs to be much longer than that. They're not trying to do anything grand and amazing with this movie. They're just trying to provide us with a small vignette, an example of, you know, black creators and the experiences they went with in the 1920s. And uh, for that reason, I love this movie a lot. I gave it an eight out of 10. What about you, Mike? Uh, I gave it an A plus. Loved it. I think it was very, um, very fitting that Chadwick Boseman, who you know, his entire career was about the elevation of black voices um, and the power of black stories. Like in some ways it was fitting that this was, um, you know, the last, like, this is the last film he gave to us. It was uh, very powerful. And, right. I mean, this uh, is yeah. the person who played Jackie Robinson. He played Durgood Marshall. He played Black Panther. Uh, I mean, really, really an African-American icon. I mean, an American James, icon play, in general. Play James, play James Brown, too. Yeah. Geesh. Talk about a, a, a five-pack of roles to <laughs> yeah, take on to sort of represent, you know, your, your people and your legacy. And he only did it in like he only did it in like what was it ten years like from from that time frame of his of his acting career really only did it in like about one decade. Yeah, it's we're gonna cool. we're gonna all Incredible. miss we're all gonna miss Chadwick Boseman uh, forever. I mean, one more time, Wakanda forever. I just gotta do it, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna miss that guy. Uh, he's a hell of an actor and he's gone far too soon. So um, it was nice to see him with this final impactful performance uh, this film will probably end up in my top 10 of the year i don't see how it's not so uh definitely check out ma rainey's black bottom uh it's super accessible right there on netflix so check it out all right let's transition to our final film we're going to review here today on the second day film podcast uh it's a film that all three of us have seen it's called sound of metal uh a heavy metal drummer's life is thrown into free fall when he begins to lose his hearing uh, this film was directed by Darius Martyr. It stars uh, the great Riz Ahmed as Ruben in the lead role. Uh, Olivia Cook, also the other uh, main lead in this movie. And there's a solid supporting cast of mostly uh, under the radar actors and actresses in this one. Um, I quite love this movie quite a bit, but uh, Evan, we haven't heard from you in a bit and uh, you, you saw this one. So uh, yeah. what are some of your takeaways from sound of metal? Yeah. Well, first off, um, you know, I just, Riz Ahmed, I've seen in a couple things. Um, I saw him, he was in the HBO kind of limited series, The Night Of. Uh, he was also a side character to uh, Jake Gyllenhaal in Nightcrawler. And, uh, and in both of those, he was a very conflicted character. And in this film, he's also conflicted. He's conflicted with how he should move forward um, with his life after um, everything that's happened. Now, I, I obviously, I think the, you know, the, I think the film does a great job as you would expect and need it to with sound. Um, and, you know, right away, we kind of, um, we kind of get a, a, a kind of a glimpse, um, not even a glimpse, but we get a listen, I should say, into what 
um, Ruben's going through. And the film's pretty intentional about how it is going to put us into Ruben's perspective and how it's going to put us in the world perspective. And every time we are hearing what he's hearing, the camera is very closely fixated on the back of his head, almost at his ear. And then when we're hearing what he's hearing, and then we'll jump out to wide shots uh, and kind of get the world, uh, the sound of what's happening in the world. And I thought stylistically that worked out really, really well. And I thought that um, they did an excellent job, uh, the filmmakers um, and uh, Riz uh, Rubin uh, did an excellent job of putting us kind of in his head. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when, when you can't hear, um, you know, that, that, that requires a, you know, a certain type of acting skill, right? <laughs> I mean, you're, you're, you're literally, you know, most of the movie he's sitting there and is not able to communicate effectively with people. I mean, that's, that's what he's going through. And to, and to, it's a very unique kind of performance that's required, I think when you have someone who throughout most of the film is unable to communicate. And I thought, uh, as I said, he's obviously very conflicted about, um, you know, he's having a hard time accepting that his life will never be the same. Mm-hmm. And, and throughout the film, he, um, you know, he makes decisions, you know, trying to get back to what he had and he's just never going to have that. And I thought that his struggle, um, you know, emotionally, mentally, I'm kind of coming to grips with himself and then, and then not. And then at the end coming to grips with himself again, I thought he did a really good job. I thought he, he had a very strong performance. So I think his performance and, and the way sound, you know, the sound was mixed. I think those were the two biggest highlights for me. And I, I also did like um, one of our side characters um, who played Joe, who kind of led the, um, you know, the deaf addiction group. I thought he was really strong as well. You, in this movie, you have, I mean, the, the filmmakers, the way they make it, they, they, I think what you're talking about is they use perspective really well. They, they will yeah. like put us from Riz's perspective when he can hear and then when he can't hear, and then they'll jump out to the outside world and it'll, we'll hear what's going on. But we get a lot of different uh, perspectives and they sort of use it as a storytelling device throughout the film yeah. and sort of uh, they'll like uh, put an example of his plight because someone will be talking and having a conversation and he won't be able to hear it. I like that, you know, basically like the sound mixing and the sound design is an essential part of the plot in the movie. And you don't see that very often where like the sound basically drives the plot. And this movie does that really well. I I really liked early on when uh, him and his his girl played by Olivia Cook are sort of driving around across the country because they're in this band. And we get a bunch of like, you know, we basically get a montage of them just having aimless, pointless, unimportant conversations just talking mm-hmm. about things like you would talk like you, like you or me or, or Mike would talk to anyone, you know, just random conversations when you're driving down the road and it's just all this pointless nondescript stuff. But then shortly after he loses his hearing, we get another montage and it's just them driving in silence. And mm-hmm. I think that was really effective in how the filmmakers used uh, the difference in those two scenarios to sort of show us how his life had changed dramatically and this is no small thing because his life is completely different than it was two days ago and that was really impactful to see that um at least early on the film to sort of put us in riz's headspace so uh mike what what are some of your thoughts on this film did you like it oh yeah i loved this movie um i i have a very fresh take on it because i literally just finished watching it about an hour before we started recording 
So my, my thoughts on it are still very fresh. Um, yeah, like w- what you guys said, sound design was incredible for this film. It should definitely get awards. Um, the way it was pivotal to the plot and the way it made you feel. Like I kept, as I was watching it, like I just kept turning the volume up and down on my computer because I was like, oh, like that's, that sounds, that doesn't sound good. I don't want to hear it. But I'm like, oh, that's the point. Yeah. Um, and it does all of that in a way that's really, really just good storytelling. And that's, that was what was cute about it. Great acting from, um, especially Riz Ahmed, but also Olivia Cook, um, you know, who plays his girlfriend in the movie. I was just so impressed, not just with like the overall portrayal of his own experience, but they, they nailed a very specific subset in American culture, which is like that heavy metal culture. And the fact that they're both British, like I, I was just so blown away by the fact that this guy had nailed just that specific accent, that specific, you know, walk, that, that very specific um, personality type that, that you see from artists who, um, you know, maybe are in that culture. They, they nailed it. Um, I thought the movie also did a good job of feeling very real. Uh, this movie yeah. was originally going to be shot as a documentary about uh, a metal uh, artist who was experiencing this um, slide into deafness. And um, they, they, I don't know why it didn't work out, but for some reason the documentary didn't work out. So they decided to just do it as a script and as a, as a fictional film. And the movie's shot in a way that feels documentary style, like with handheld camera for the mm-hmm. most part, um, not a lot of natural lighting. Um, it just had this very real feel of you experiencing this man's journey with him. And I really loved that. It also showed the practical experience of that, where it's like, he's just can't really hear one day him having to write stuff down him maybe trying to like talk to someone at a pharmacy, uh, even just to talk with a doctor about, okay, here's what's going on. Here's what, what happens with insurance, all just the practical BS that people have to go through in the healthcare system was really, really just being fully displayed here in a way that just made it so real for her. And you're like, oh yeah, obviously mm-hmm. if this happens to someone who's who doesn't have financial resources, yeah, what like they're screwed. Like this is a horrible mm-hmm. thing that w- this would mean for their per- this person's life because the world is not designed for deaf people. We have not designed our society for their experience. We haven't designed our houses or our roads or like we have a lot of work to do when it comes to rebuilding our society in such a way that people who are, are deaf or people who are blind or, or who use a wheelchair, like so, so that they can be at more involved and this doesn't totally collapse their ability to have, have a life. Um, so that was definitely something I thought the film did a powerful job of portraying. Well, along um, those lines, you, you, I mean, you mentioned that we get, you know, sort of a glimpse into the metal, you know, drummer subset. I mean, we have a movie here that is largely based on the plight of a deaf recovering addict. And we get like mm-hmm. a, a look into representation of people who are deaf. They have that challenge. They also have the talent or the challenge of being an addict. And so we see, uh, you know, this community that he sort of comes into and how he sort of learns to deal uh, with this thing that he has over time. Of course, he has to go through some challenges, but I thought, you know, his time with the community and sort of um, when he would go to like the school with the kids and he would be learning with kids who are deaf and who are learning. I thought it was a really sweet moment when he was uh, with the one kid and he was drumming on the slide and the one kid was listening to the drumming on the slide. I just, I mean, it was just a really small moment, but I thought it was really impactful and like just seeing like, this is a big deal for this kid. He can feel the vibrations of this expert drummer and he's having a moment. He's experiencing something. And, and Riz, 
uh, Ruben in that moment is having something too. We're like, look, I'm bringing joy to this person just by banging on this sled. And all that was part of a, a great journey for the character. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, oh, sorry, go ahead, Evan. Well, it's just one thing I was going to say. I've been thinking of it now when watching it. Um, I don't know that there was a single scene where Ruben wasn't in the scene. No, we very much follow him. I mean, it's yeah, all about and, and, from, from his journey, for sure. And I liked that. And I think the fact that it almost felt, you know, with the documentary feel like we were following his character. None of the other characters were kind of introduced outside of how they interacted with him. And I really liked how, you know, Mike, you said it, it felt real, right? I mean, this isn't, this is somebody who, you know, he's an addict. He doesn't have financial means. You know, he doesn't have many people he can rely on. And he's thrust into this situation and, you know, he doesn't know how to handle it, you know? And, and I think that um, I just thought that, that, you know, they did a good job kind of portraying what might happen in, for somebody who's just kind of an average person um, to deal with something like this, you know, and, and obviously it's a struggle. And, you know, I thought, I did think, you know, I really enjoyed the, the last scene and, and I enjoyed, you know, I mean, obviously re remembering Joe saying, you know, once you can appreciate the stillness, you'll go a long ways. And he kind of finally finds himself at the end looking up at the clouds. And um, I thought it was really strong start to finish, including that ending. The whole idea is yeah. that he needs to come to terms with mm -hmm. his life. This isn't something yeah. that you're going to, you can fix, as they say. And in that final scene, we finally see him accepting his new reality and, yeah. and realizing that he needs to move forward with the, with the hand that's been dealt to him. I thought that was really powerful. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I, I think that um, it was nice to see a movie where um, people who were religious or had religious beliefs and were trying to use their spiritual values to help someone forward through grief or forward through um, some kind of trial in their life, it was portrayed in a positive way. Like so many of the movies that I think I've reviewed in the last couple of months, like anytime religion or Christianity is in it, it's portrayed very negatively. And there's understandably a lot of negative stuff going on right now with, with, with uh, religious groups, but it was nice to just see one movie where spiritual exploration was being portrayed as something positive and helpful. Um, and, and it had a lot of depth to it too. That, that line about like in that stillness is the kingdom of God. That was very powerful. And I do think that one of the reasons that maybe we all connected with this movie a little bit more was that we are kind of going as a society, like we're all suddenly very limited in social distancing and enduring COVID by, you know, something that could be you know, physically harming to us. And I think that, um, watching a character who was like, Oh, I had a plan and a dream for my life. And all of a sudden now, I'm more physically limited and I'm now in this isolation where he's not with his girlfriend anymore. He's not with his, you know, band anymore. He's not with all these other fans. Now he's kind of just alone in this house, um, maybe with a couple other people. And it's like, Oh, like that kind of really hits right now with everything we're going through uh, with 2020 and now leading into 2021. Um, I do just want to read one quote from the actor uh, Rizm. Rizamed, is that, am I saying it right? Sorry, dude, if I'm saying yeah, your name wrong. You're an amazing actor. If you ever hear this, that was an amazing performance. Um, he should definitely be considered for some awards for this one. But he said something that I thought was great to the theme of the film, which is about, explores like, what does it mean to be deaf? And he said, so often we have this ableist perspective of treating things like deafness as a disability rather than a culture. And that's the big takeaway for me was that deafness isn't for many people a disability, it's a world. It's a way mm -hmm. of being. 
that quote from him I thought was perfect in encapsulating like a huge part of what the whole story of the film was was that people will build their communities around their experiences and for him becoming deaf it wasn't just something he, he couldn't do anymore he couldn't hear his music or he couldn't um, hear someone talk to him he found a he found a new world like his idea of oh I don't have to deal with the noise anymore that stillness that he experienced he gets to experience in some ways just perfectly in ways that no one with like hearing can even understand um, it was a really powerful I thought empowerment of people who are deaf and it really changed the way I saw it and I was just really honored to you know, watch the movie and have it portrayed to me that way. I, I thought it was a great, um, great lesson in what other people are going through. What's your grade? Uh, a plus. What about you, Evan? Oh, I kind of struggled on landing on a grade. I, I think I'm probably like 7.5 or an 8. I ended up giving it an 8 uh, because I felt like it was better than a 7. But I, I kind of was in between a 7 and an 8. So I gave it an 8. I gave it an eight too. Honestly, three of the four films that we reviewed today uh, are all in my top 10 now. So uh, yeah. uh, I'll, I'll let you decide which one didn't make the cut. Uh, you could probably figure it out uh, if you wanted to, but uh, yeah, I mean, suggestion. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, great movie. Sound of Metal is on Amazon Prime. So if you have that, you can check it out. Uh, all three of us highly, highly recommend. I think you'll be hearing from this movie uh, come Oscar season. Um, for uh, several of the categories that we already talked about but uh we're running long here we're at about an hour so uh anything else you guys want to add or uh you ready to get out of here any big plans for the week watch cobra kai everyone (laughs) yeah next up on the list is uh one night in miami i'm looking forward to seeing that one yep one night in miami and the little things uh on hbo max which mike you just watched right with denzel i did and hopefully maybe we can get to the crown someday yeah if somebody got their shit together and watched a little bit faster but you know i am i am a slave to the queue mike you know this i can't help it sorry the crown is really good season four is great we'll hopefully yeah. review it when someone catches up <laughs> yeah we both love the crown we all love the crown evan you should watch the crown if you haven't watched the crown but uh anyways that's gonna do it for today's episode we, we jammed a lot in here it was good to get back on the mic uh, i'd been a little bit uh it's we're already a month into 2021 and this is our first episode so we definitely at least try and get one episode out a month we're all pretty busy we're all in different states at this point so uh at least the power of the internet allows us to connect that way it's always good to talk to you guys film fans if you could please check out our facebook page follow us on twitter like rate and review the podcast very helpful share it with your friend tell just tell them about us it's not hard really you know you do or maybe just invite a couple of your friends like the page you know uh, we try and keep it updated we try and keep it light we try and keep it fun on there um so uh we appreciate everyone for listening we appreciate everyone who's been with us from the start we might not have huge numbers mike but we are very proud of our small loyal following Damn right. uh, and Damn we are right. we we love you people we love you very Fire. much we love film we love the film community and we love you. So uh, until next time, thanks for listening, and we'll see you at the movie.